0: Welcome back to another episode of the Junkyard Pod. I'm your host, Tony Pesta, alongside my co-host, Jackson Flickinger. And Cavs and five is still alive. I know game one didn't go as planned. The New York Knicks delivered a painful loss, 101-97. to Cavs nearly spearheaded a comeback victory in the final minutes, but it didn't work out. Uh, a lot of the pitfalls that we expected to hurt the Cavs came to life in game one. With offensive rebounding and a lack of bench production, ultimately being the nail in the coffin for Cleveland. We have a lot to discuss here. We're going to go over some of what went wrong for Cleveland and also try to offer up some adjustments and what we think the Cavs could do moving forward. But I want to start off with Jackson. How are your current feelings about the series after game 1? Um,
1: so I knew that like for the Knicks to win a game in the series or for the Knicks to be competitive and you know win the series, this is kind of the blueprint for how that game would go where You know, obviously, you know, they wouldn't have Jalen Brunson getting into foul trouble in the first half on that game plan, but what they would have is just killing the Cavs on the uh, offensive glass, you know, taking advantage of the Cavs' weak spot, which is the rotation. So, and that's really what they did. When you look back at this game, the Cavs won the minutes that the core four played by 15, those 31 minutes, and then the minutes that they didn't play, the Knicks won by 16 so that's really where this game was won and lost um sorry they would have had the windows minutes by 19. they won the 16 minutes mm-hmm. by 19 That the core four wasn't out there and that's where you know the knicks had to you know win this game and that's what they did they wanted in this in the um, second quarter and the be- and the end of the first when the Cavs, you know sat some of their starters They really dominated those minutes. And then in the fourth quarter, they got seven offensive rebounds to help their offense stay afloat and keep the Cavs, you know, on their back foot. So this was the perfect game for the Knicks. I know people are pointing to them not shooting well from three as kind of a, well, the Knicks could be better. But the Knicks really aren't that good of a three-point shooting team. They're obviously going to shoot better from three, but so are the Cavs maybe um so i just you know i think this was the perfect game for the knicks i think we'll see a much different game tomorrow from the Cavs, and i think we're gonna see the Cavs. you know i think i think it's going to be a much more comfortable game for the Cavs.
0: i hope so uh i got in some trouble with the knicks fans for suggesting that that was close to their best punch maybe that was bad wording on my part but look either you grab 20 offensive rebounds or you make all your shots. You're not doing both. Okay. So of course, when the Knicks are making their shots, they have a, they look like a better team and that is their best punch. But the way they beat the Cavs is exactly what everyone was saying would be their path to victory. And that's how they have won. The amount of games they've won this season is because they overcome their offensive limitations that they have. And they kill teams by winning on the glass, scrapping for second chance points. That's what ultimately was the difference maker. I think, when looking at this game, I don't think the Cavs played a good game. And I know the Knicks didn't particularly shoot well. I think the Cavs deserve some credit for their defense in that regard. But they I think this was a Knicks game. I think this is you know, maybe a bit lower than what they would have expected in terms of their offensive output. But they played their brand of basketball, and they got a win. And I don't think the Cavs played their brand of basketball for the majority of this game. I think especially when it wasn't that core four together, things really kind of sputtered on offense and it just the execution wasn't there but I do think there are some positives to take away from this game and I'm sure we'll get into all of that as we go forward but I want to start off the you know general discussion here talking about everyone's biggest concern coming into the series and it was rebounding the Knicks are one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the NBA they've made it their identity at this point and it was the difference maker New York out rebounded Cleveland 51 to 38 overall adding 23 second chance points to their total. Jackson, what went wrong on the glass?
1: Uh, So the biggest thing that went wrong when you go back and look at the, um, you know, if you go back and look at all the Knicks offensive rebounds, it's really the guards and the rest of the, you know, guards and wings not really getting involved in gathering those rebounds for the Cavs. Uh, I was at the game on Saturday, and there you just kind of felt that, like, the Cavs' bigs were getting overpowered. And I think you get that feeling just because on the um, offensive end, the Cavs weren't able to dictate, you know, the terms. And that's where the Cavs really got overpowered, their bigs. But on on the uh, defensive glass, they really didn't. It was a lot of guards and wings just coming in and pitching in and just getting rebounds. And that's an area that the Cavs need to clean up. The Cavs, you know, you look at Darius Garland, he got zero rebounds. Donovan Mitchell a lot of times was just looking around for um, rebounds. Karis Levert got beat pretty badly a um, couple times in in this department. And that's just an area that the Cavs have to clean up. And it is something that they can clean up.
0: Yeah. I uh, I definitely agree there. Uh so Mobley and Allen combined for 25 rebounds. The rest of the Cavs had 13. Uh, The Knicks had seven different players grab four or more boards. The Cavs had three and two of those obviously were Mobley and Allen situation where the Knicks, the reason why they are such a great offensive rebounding team is because everybody crashes. They they're very active as a unit. They play a big lineup uh, one through five, whereas the Cavs are a bit undersized in the backcourt. And it's this it's a series where Darius Garland, I know he's not a rebounder and I know it sounds funny to put any of the blame on him but he has to be more involved down there there was a play specifically towards the end when Hartenstein tipped the ball uh, after I think it was Josh Hart missed a jumper ball bounces all the way out to the free throw line extended and Hartenstein gets a hand on it and it's just a situation where on that play Garland is drifting away from the basket as the shot is going up and if he crashes the ball lands right in his lap and there's only so much you can do if you're Jared Allen who I think did a fantastic job basically all night of boxing out, sealing his man. Of course you can, uh, you know, nitpick certain plays where Mitchell Robinson had the advantage on him. Like that's going to happen in a game with 80 misses, 80 potential rebounds there. Like, you know, it's a battle and you're not going to win every single box out, but I think Allen did a great job. And on that play with Hartenstein, again, like there's only so much you can do, to steal someone, like Hartenstein goes wide left of him, and either if you're Allen, you either foul him or you race him to the ball. And Hartenstein managed to get a hand on it. And again, that's a situation where if Garland is more involved, that's a, a defensive stop. There are plenty of uh, situations where Karis Lavert kind of just caught watching the ball, and Josh Hart goes right by him for an offensive rebound. And it's just like you're not going to win this series, or you're not going to win the rebounding battle if it's just Mobley and Allen trying to do it all on their own because the Knicks, everyone crashes. And one of the big things that I think people should be taking away is a lot of those rebounds came off of long jumpers, air balls, wild misses, where that kind of tends to be a situation where the offense has uh, an advantage on the glass. Really, the only situation where the offense does have an advantage on the glass are those long jump shots that go out into the middle of the floor. And again, when the Knicks as a unit are all rebounding, it's going to take a team effort in response to really keep them off the glass.
1: Yeah. One of the things, you know, Josh Hart got five offensive boards and we kind of, you know, if you think back to that game against the Celtics last month where Lamar, Lamar Stevens came in and he was able to get a bunch of offensive boards, he was able to do that because the Celtics were just ignoring him. He was able to just crash because there was nobody there Um, and the Cavs. they weren't really ignoring Hart, but they were helping off of him all game, which is what you know, which is what you should do. But they need to do a better job of recovering back to him. So his guy, once he leaves, he needs to get back and put a body on him. And he and they weren't. And that's why he was able to get so many offensive boards. And it's something that is correctable. It's not like it's not like it's not something that you can fix. It's just they gotta make that a um, effort and a and a priority.
0: Yeah, and it's also worth mentioning that uh, a handful of Josh Hart's rebounds, the offensive ones, were in transition. Knicks are you know have an advantage, and they blow a layup, and then Josh Hart's just there for the putback. Uh, the Cavs, I think, had a lot of turnovers and missed shots that led directly to runouts from New York. Just kind of unfortunate. Bounces the way it came off the rim or just unfortunate turnovers in in live action. And the Knicks missed those layups on some plays, and Josh Hart was just there to clean it up. So that adds to the number. As I mentioned, there's a couple air balls that just went right to Mitchell Robinson. And it's like, there's not much you can do there if you're Jared Allen. Uh, The final rebound of the game where Randall comes diving in from the three-point line. I know everyone I feel like it's just such, and respectfully I'm saying this, a lazy narrative to say, oh, Evan Mobley's getting punked. He just doesn't have the strength to keep up with them. Like When you watch that play, Julius Randle is running. He gets a full head of steam by the time Mobley is able to turn around from help side and try to get a body on him. And at the end of the day on that play, Mobley is in the middle of the court. He has that position. Randle is running to the right side, and the ball just happens to bounce to the right side. There's not much Mobley could do there. Now I will say, Jared Allen, great job boxing out. Mobley, definitely something that he has to work on, but he still grabbed 11 rebounds. He had five offensive rebounds tied with Mitchell Robinson and Hart for most of the game. It's not like the Cavs big men were just getting pummeled on the, in the rebounding. They, they held their own, I think. And it's like we said, it's going to take a team effort. And this is one area where, you know, the bench is going to have to step up too. you know, you have Dean Wade out there uh, aside from not shooting threes, which is what we don't want him to do. But He's got to get rebounds. This could be a series where Lamar Stevens gets on the floor if no one else is going to do it. Because, again, it's going to come down to other guys on the court chipping in.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I'm I'm really glad you brought up that thing about the bigs getting punked because they, they weren't getting punked on that end. You saw mm-hmm. them struggle really on the um, other side, and that was more so to do with how the Knicks were game planning for them and how the Cavs – were late to adjust like Evan, like Evan Mobley went four for 13. That's not what you normally see. Jared Allen, he was six for eight, but he only took eight shots. The Knicks really did a good job of walling off the paint. And that's something that the Cavs really need to adjust. And you were talking about those transition baskets. They were able to do that because Darius Garland had five turnovers, you know, they did, the Cavs made some adjustments in the second half, kind of taking the ball out of out of Garland's hands in the um in those situations where the Knicks would trap. But the Cavs and JB need to do a better job of getting Darius out of that position and making sure that they can't trap Garland, which forced a lot of those turnovers and forced a lot of those runouts. So there's a lot of areas that the Cavs need to improve on. They need to improve on the rebounding, but I think you know they still They still almost won the game. They were in a position to win the game. They were leading by one with two minutes left. So this was a game that they could have won despite getting completely, you know, losing, losing the rebounding battle that badly, Mm -hmm. you know, I think the areas to clean up are really on the um, offensive side and especially turnovers.
0: Yeah. And it's worth noting that the Cavs took the lead on an offensive putback by Jared Allen. So that completely gets overlooked because he ended up giving up an offensive board a little while later, but he was active on the glass. He he took the lead off of that. And as you mentioned, uh, they were still in position to win. I think the Cavs showed a really strong defensive game plan. New York shot 42% from the floor. They only scored 44 points in the paint, which is well below their average. We also struggled in that department. So it was kind of a mutual thing there, but I really don't have many complaints in terms of how the Cavs defended the Knicks. I think they did a great job there. I think we both agreed the real issue was the Cavaliers' offense or lack of offense, really. When looking at the full picture, I don't think the rebounding battle would have been the story or as damaging if Cleveland simply played with a pulse offensively. I think a lot of those you know, second-chance points, they helped the Knicks stay in the game, but they wouldn't have been backbreakers if the Cavs had just played a better game offensively and really to me the one thing that stands out the most is like this is the biggest indicator that something wasn't clicking on offense Darius Garland had one assist in 43 minutes that has never happened in his career he has never played 43 minutes and only dished out one assist now to his credit uh, he still had 13 potential assists which is right on par with the season average it's about 12.9 potential assists per game but It's not as simple as his teammates weren't making shots. That definitely happened. He had a couple good kickouts to Okoro, who just missed open threes. Uh, You know, the Cavs missed a lot of layups in this game. But I also don't think Garland was setting people up the way that he normally does. And a big credit to that is the Knicks and the way they defended him. They threw a lot of different actions at him. Uh, He did a very good job punishing them whenever they would drop. He did, through three quarters, have 17 points on 7-13 shooting. The problem is he didn't shoot in the fourth quarter. He really kind of disappeared, and again, a big credit to the Knicks because they had uh, Hartenstein and Randall and Robinson playing at the level of the screen. They trapped him at times, and the Cavs, as you said, they need to do a better job responding to that when he gets trapped.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's tough with you know trying to hide Isaac in the um, corner because it allows his defender to help and recover really easily. I all, I kind of want to see him, you know, at times shift over to the wing so that his defender can't help out as easily. But, you know, you, they, the Cavs just need to do a better job of game planning for this. It felt like Darius Garland wasn't prepared for the traps. You saw early on, when Mobley was setting a screen for him, because Mobley usually slips, which is easier to trap off of a slip than it is off of like a hard screen. But Darius just seemed unprepared for it. And, you know, the passes that he had to make to get out of those traps, a lot of times he was jumping to try to make the pass, trying to throw it over the defense. And that, that slow pass allowed the defense to rotate back out so that Mobley didn't have an advantage out of that. So the Cavs, just need to be more prepared for that. That's where, you know, I think that some of the JB criticism has been overblown, but that's an area where I think it's fair to critique JB because his guys, you know, Darius wasn't prepared for that. And that was something that I think was fairly obvious, you know, a fairly obvious game plan for the um Knicks to try.
0: Mm. And it's something we've seen before uh, in previous big games like the playing game against Atlanta and and other games throughout the year where teams will trap Darius Garland and try to make him uh, make a play out of that. And they know that if he isn't able to beat that, it's just going to turn into the Donovan Mitchell show. And that's what it kind of did. But before we get to that, I do want to talk about Garland and JB again because it does come down to really JB, Garland, and Mobley finding a way to adjust and beat this. They need to read what the defense is doing And respond the right way. I know Mobley loves to slip screens and there's a time and place where slipping a screen is a fantastic move. But when you're getting trapped it also helps if someone sets a solid screen as you mentioned in your uh, piece for fear of the sword uh, today. So yeah, that's an area where Mobley has to be aware of what the Knicks are doing and make the right play. Carlin needs to be aware of what the Knicks are doing and not kind of get himself into that deep corner at at half court where he's able to get trapped. He needs to, and even Donovan Mitchell needs to make himself available. If that happens, there's a lot of things that the Cavs can do to adjust. And I think they did a better job of that in the second half, but it still wasn't where it needs to be. And I hope that they're working on that uh, as they've had, what, three days off now leading into game two. So hopefully the adjustments are being talked about.
1: Yeah. And it's easier, like, it's some harder for the Knicks to trap when you have another shooter on the floor. So that's why when Jetty was out there, they weren't able to trap as, as easily. Like you can trap. It's just, you're going to give up something. Whereas before it felt like they were trapping and the ball was coming out so slow that they weren't giving up anything in the, throughout the process. So we saw in the second half, the Cavs, you know, they limited Darius Garland on ball. So they made, you know, Donovan, the one handling the ball in those screens and donovan is a much more he's a much tougher player to screen he's a more physically imposing player and we saw him do a good job of beating that as he was able to get seven assists in on the second half alone but one of the problems that you know donovan has in that position and one of the one of the main critiques really from Utah. We just heard it all summer was he doesn't know how to throw lobs and he was able to, you know, there were a. a couple times where he couldn't get the ball to Allen on a M. lob, which is, you know, the best, one of the best ways to break the, break a trap. And, you know, that's where the Cavs need Darius Garland to be the guy doing that. They need to put the right personnel around him to do that. And they need to do a better job of, kind of moving Okoro around so that he's not in the, in the corner when that trap comes.
0: Yeah. That's a, a great point that I want to get back to is uh, Okoro and where he is on the floor. But I do want to talk about Mitchell for a second first, because I think this game just very quickly turned into Donovan Mitchell, please save us, which of course, I mean, he kind of had to, nothing else was going for the Cavs, and he played a fantastic game. I mean, he hit incredible Difficult shots to nearly get the Cavs all the way back into it after they had really dug themselves a hole. And that's where it comes down to Darius Garland, the bench, doing enough to where they can stay involved for 48 minutes. Otherwise, Donovan Mitchell's going if you dig a hole that you can't get out of, that's why you have Donovan Mitchell. And so the rest of the Cavs need to step up and be able to hold their own in that regard. Because I think Mitchell, as great as he is, there were a couple plays where he was really forcing it and pressing because he had to. And if you're in a situation where Garland has established himself a little more in that game, maybe Mitchell doesn't feel like he has to press and force as much. And then you're playing a more balanced approach there. Uh, The bigs in this game struggled. And uh, you brought up a great point that Mitchell isn't the best at setting up the bigs. That's really where Garland and Karis Levert excel. That's where the bigs eat the most is when Levert and uh, Garland are setting them up. And uh, Levert had one assist too. So uh, like, it's just an area where when Mitchell has to go hero mode, the rest of the Cavs offense suffers. Doesn't mean that it's necessarily a bad thing because Mitchell can win you games going hero mode. But if you want the Cavs to be at their best, everyone has to be involved. That means Garland has to be the floor general. Levert has to get himself going off the bench. And in doing so, the Bigs are going to play a lot better too. But now circling back to the aquaro point, another reason why the big struggled is because I felt like the Cavs execution wasn't that great on offense. There was a lot of situations where you can't have Allen and a on the same side of the floor when you're running that pick and roll. It's just, it's too clogged. A was over four in this game. I think all four of those threes came, uh, well, he was over four from the three point line. I think all of those came in the first half or at least three of them. And very quickly, the Knicks just started taking whoever was guarding a and using them as kind of a free safety and uh, clogging up the paint. And there wasn't, that short roll that you see from Mobley and Allen, the high low game it was completely erased because a in the same corner, same side of the floor as Allen and his defender is just standing there taking it away. So if you're able to move a whether it's on the wing, emptying out that corner to give them space to work, I think you can still survive even when he is shooting as poorly as he did. If you're smarter with where you place him.
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's not like the Knicks are the first team to really help off of Isaac. They've, Teams have been doing this all season, but when you trap Garland and it the ball comes out slow, it just gives everyone so much more time to rotate back over, and you know makes makes uh, Evan have to make a really quick decision. So that's where that's where I think it's different. Where if they're getting the if Garland's able to get the ball out quickly on those traps, then you still have a um, you still have an um, advantage there if you are the Cavs because Jalen Brunson's not going to be stopping Mobley or Allen in the paint. But when the ball comes out slow, he can be a, a deterrent and allow everyone to come back and shift back. So, you know, the Cavs need to do a better job. Isaac is not going to become a good three-point shooter overnight, even if he hit all four threes in that game the Knicks aren't changing up how they play. It's really a situation where Garland just needs to be better. And, you know, Isaac probably just needs to make it a little more difficult for his guy to be there. And to make that more difficult, you got to be in the wing. You can't be in that same side. We saw some times where the Cavs tried to do an empty side pick and roll. But the problem with that is they're just going to, they're just going to leave the empty side guy there. They kind of switch mm-hmm. to like a, like a zone hybrid almost for lack of a better term where they're just going to leave the guy in that corner. So, you know, Isaac, you know, Isaac's not going to change who he is as a player overnight, but the Cavs just need to do a better job of executing around that. If they want to keep him on the floor.
0: Yeah. Uh, to Isaac's credit, even though he did start. Uh, so well, he finished the game shooting poorly. He didn't just start shooting poorly, he finished shooting poorly. Uh He did have a couple plays, especially in the first half, where he attacked off the dribble and had a nice layup. He made a good cut. Uh, He tried to find a way to be an impact on offense. It just wasn't his night in any way. Uh, I felt like he did fine defensively. I really think everyone on the Cavs did fine defensively outside of Rubio. Uh, Everyone played fine on that side of the floor. And, I mean, so many of these issues aren't issues if Darius Garland has a better game. That's really what it comes down to. I know he shot seven for 13, which is great. That's efficient, but I don't want him shooting seven for 13. I want him shooting 12 for 25 or something, right? Like I want him putting shots up, especially when he plays 43 minutes and the offense is as stagnant as it is. He's got to let that thing go. And it's been difficult for him because the Knicks do have a lot of length. The traps obviously make it impossible for him to get a shot up. But I think there are plenty of areas where he had an opportunity to attack. He had an opportunity to shoot threes, especially that he kind of passed up and that's fine if he's dishing assists too, but those weren't happening either. So it was really a rough game all around for, I mean, a was a rough game Garland. It was a decent game, but it's not what you want from him. You need more from Garland if they're going to win this series.
1: Yeah. It's the thing is like teams, people talk about the playoffs, like it's a completely different sport. And you kind of knew that Isaac wasn't going to come out and go like four for five from three and teams have really, since the middle of last season have really been leaving Isaac alone in that corner. It's like the Knicks weren't doing anything revolutionary with Isaac. It's just the Cavs throughout the season have been, you know, their offense has been good enough to overcome that. And yet, you know, you definitely need more from Darius. You look at, you look at Donovan Mitchell. I thought he was settling for a little too many threes in the first half, Mm. but he ended up with 16 threes. And you look at Darius, he had four Darius can't have four threes. He needs to have a quicker trigger. He needs to be okay. Taking a shot where someone is closing out on him. You know, there were a couple instances where um, there's one play in particular where, you know, the Cavs did a good job with once Jetty was in the game, kind of using Jetty to screen for um, Donovan Mitchell. Brunson would trap, but then Donovan would get it out quickly, and that would create a you know a mismatch. And Jetty, one of those times, he makes a kind of a poor pass to Garland, but it still gets there in time. And if he's ready to shoot, you know he um has a look, but he's but he's not. And then he dribbles out, gives it to Allen, and Allen misses it at the rim. So there's just there were chances for Garland to be a shooter and he just kind of turned that down and that's that's where you want to see him you know take those take those chances because we know who Isaac Okoro is he is a proven entity we know who he is on the um, offensive end this wasn't you know all-star Darius Scarland, and the Cavs need all-star Darius Garland in the playoffs
0: yeah definitely uh just to look at it Julius Randle took 20 field goals. Jalen Brunson attempted 24. R.J. Barrett even attempted 12. Garland took just 13. Uh, Mitchell took 30. Like, There's just uh, – he's he's not playing up to the level that he is. He's not playing, as you said, in all at an all-star level right now. And it's just – it's a situation where he's done this kind of all throughout his career. And I'm sure Donovan Mitchell and all the Cavs are getting on him like, hey, we want you to shoot. You have the green light. You need to fire away sometimes, and I, I'm not overly concerned about it because I'm expecting him to come out in game two and be a little more aggressive. Uh, I know it gets overblown, but it was his first playoff game. I'm sure nerves and jitters were at least a little bit of what was happening, uh, but he definitely has to be better, and he has to be more assertive is the big thing for me. Uh, the other player who made his playoff debut here, uh, Evan Mobley, who definitely struggled from the floor offensively. I would say he had a major impact on the defensive end. He did a fantastic job on Julius Randle, but four for 13 from the floor, really didn't look like himself on the offensive end. Jackson, how would you grade Evan Mobley's debut?
1: Um, If you asked me on Saturday, I would have said like a D. But going back and looking at it, I think it's probably more like, a C minus. I don't think he was horrible on that side, but he was never put in a position to actually succeed. You know, it, it all comes back to, you know, how the offense was running and that all comes back to Darius Garland. And he just, he was getting the ball in the short roll. And with how slow he was getting the ball, the defense was adjusting and it was either, he's either taking the shot or he's, you know, kicking it back out and just resetting the offense. And, you know, he he attacked, and that's kind of what you want to see him do. I think if he was out there, you know, resetting the um, offense and just, you know, kicking it out to, you know, Mitchell to just take a contested three late late in the um, shot clock, we would be criticizing him for that. So he was taking the shots. He just wasn't taking the shots in the spots that you want him to be taking them. And that's kind of how we got to where we did. Uh, I thought he made a couple nice passes out of the short roll, especially when Jetty was on the floor. So, you know, you have another option on the perimeter to make passes out too. So I think, you know, I don't think he was the problem here. He certainly didn't play good. But, you know, if Darius Garland's playing more free and, you know, sure of himself, you're not getting a 4-for-13 game from Evan because the defense isn't in that position to load up on him.
0: I agree with that. I actually think, you know, uh, a lot of Mobley's struggles were kind of more indicative of the larger problems that were going on on the floor. Uh, As I mentioned, Darius Garland and Karis LeVert are the two guys who really set up the bigs better than anyone. And they both had pretty bad games in terms of playmaking. And so that's going to make it more difficult already. Uh, The Knicks did a good job defending him. I'll give them credit there. And also Isaac Okoro was on the floor for a lot of those minutes and the spacing was just not there. I don't think he had many opportunities to get the types of shots that he usually gets in the short roll. The high, low game to Allen was not there at all. It was completely covered all night. And so I do think after, you know, kind of starting off a little slow in the second half, Mobley kind of got in his own head and decided that he was going to kind of force it a little bit, press a little bit to get into the paint when, and I, I highlighted this on Twitter. Uh, if anyone wants to see the clip at Tony underscore Pesta, uh There was a couple plays where he catches it right in the middle of the paint, maybe like right below the free throw line. And rather than going straight into his hook shot, that which he had been doing all season, he takes the extra dribble, tries to get into Mitchell Robinson's body, and he just misses the layup. That's a very difficult shot over a good defender. And I think one of the reasons why Mobley had made such a leap offensively is because he was making quick decisions. He was catching the ball, going right into a shot, and it seemed like he was kind of second-guessing himself in the second half and trying to be aggressive for the sake of being aggressive, like trying to get contact down there just to get something going for himself. And I really think sticking to what has been your bread and butter all season, the jump hook, even a mid range jumper at that point, if it's open, take it because that's one of the big ways that the Cavs have been able to artificially create spacing is having Mobley, make decisions on that elbow and like in the middle of the floor on the short roll. And I don't think they had many opportunities to do that uh, in game one, partially because a killing the spacing, even when a wasn't out there, I don't want to put it entirely on him. Even when Levert was out there, the spacing was bad. Jetty was really the only one who helped them in that regard. And uh, yeah, I just think uh, not the debut that we hoped for Evan Mobley, Again, I think he was fine defensively. I think he looked really good, but the shot making just has to be better.
1: Yeah, um yeah, I don't think the I definitely agree with everything that you say. Uh, but I am okay with him trying to get inside the paint there. There yeah, were a couple definitely. instances where he was There was a couple of times where he like he had a couple of hook shots where he tried to go over, you know, Mitchell mm-hmm. Robinson and it was just like that's like not going to work um And he also had a couple times where it felt like he was trying to force it to Allen. I remember one time he tried to force it to Allen, and he like threw it off the rim because he was trying yeah. to just like put it in, got, like tipped up spot. into the air. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but I think it's just kind of like where I where I would be critical of Mobley is him setting screens. Like if he set like mm. Garland is at his best and really. Mitchell and Allen are at their best. When Garland's able to turn that corner, get downhill and make the defense, make a decision because Garland's really good at, okay, if you're going to come up on me, I can make this pass to Allen or Mobley and they can get a look at the rim. But when Garland's not able to get downhill ever, you know, giving it to Mobley in the short rules, kind of like a counter. It's not what you actually want your offense to be. So they just got to find a way to really you know, you can't, you can't stop the Knicks from trapping him, but you got to do things to make it more difficult for them to, to um, do so.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, if he sets better screens, that helps him as well mm-hmm. in terms of getting uh, quality looks for himself. So uh, moving forward here, uh, as we have said, Okoro struggled. Rubio's minutes were a disaster. Dean Wade was off the floor almost immediately. And then finally, it happened – Jetty Osmond made his way to the scorer's table, entered the game. He ended up shooting two for three from deep, played surprisingly great defense on Brunson, and maybe, just maybe, earned a spot in the rotation. Jackson, would you like to push your Jetty agenda here? Listen,
1: um, the Jetty agenda is Jetty's one of the few guys on the bench who can shoot, dribble, and pass and has length. So that is the Jetty agenda, you know he's like if the cast had more guys who could do that you know they'd probably be playing you know be playing but Jetty's one of the few who can uh I think what we really saw Jetty do a good job is moving off ball that's where he was most helpful it wasn't you know yeah his two like he was two for three from three you know it's not like he was getting a huge volume up it's not like he hit a bunch of threes but him moving off ball and making the defense rotate. That's something that the Knicks defense wasn't doing without him on the floor. The defense was loading up a ton, you know, with those traps, they were loading up, even with Mitchell, they were loading up, but Mitchell is good enough to, you know, break through that. But when you had, you know, when you, when you throw Jetty out there, things change, you know, the Cavs tried to, you know, they tried to set screens with Isaac Okoro. That was just an easy trap you know, and Isaac's not somebody who you can kick it out to and then expect Isaac to beat someone off the dribble. Jetty's a different, you know, Jetty's different. Um, numerous times, Jetty was able to screen for um Donovan, they trapped. Donovan kicks it out to Jetty. Jetty can shoot or Jetty can, you know, Jetty's shooting causes the defense to rotate really hard out. And we saw them take advantage of that with, You know, Jetty making the right pass out of that or Jetty attacking off the dribble. So that's what Jetty provides that, you know, nobody else provides. Nobody's closing out hard on Dean Wade. People aren't closing out hard on Karis Levert. They're certainly not closing out hard on Isaac Okoro or Ricky Rubio. So that's what Jetty can provide. You know, Danny Green's realistically the only other person on this, you know, in this rotation who... Defenses would react that way to, and that's really what the Cavs need. They need somebody on the perimeter who, when he gets the ball, the defense shifts. The defense doesn't shift, you know, for those guys that I mentioned.
0: Basketball, at the end of the day, can be an incredibly simple game, a very common sense game, and something as simple as getting the defense to move, getting them to shift, is all it takes to open up an offense at times, and that's what Jetty brought to the table in game one, the Cavs needed someone who wasn't going to hesitate. They needed someone who wasn't going to play hot potato with the ball every time he touches it. And Dean Wade, uh, just simply catching the ball and making a move, attacking, dribbling into the paint, shooting as soon as you touch it. Yet had, Jetty had two assists in that game. I think he's, as you said, one of the only guys who can pass dribble and shoot on this team. So having him out there made all the difference for Cleveland in terms of opening up the floor and giving them a little bit more juice, especially with his off ball movement, because again, the defense cares about where Jetty is moving because they know as soon as he catches the ball, he's making a move. He's going to try and score. Whereas a lot of these other guys, Dean Wade, just it's, it's frustrating to a point where it's like, if you're going to be out there and play hot potato, the defense isn't going to care about you. If you're Isaac Okoro in the corner, the defense really doesn't care about you. And if you're not hitting those shots, then it's just, it gets really tough to keep you out there. And Jetty, uh, JB went to him quicker than I honestly thought he would because it's been a weird situation with Jetty all year long where he hasn't really, it, it feels like he should be getting more minutes than he has all year. And he's finally getting that chance in the playoffs. Uh, I do want to ask you, uh, they put Jetty on Jalen Brunson at the end of the game. How did you feel about his defense there?
1: Uh, I thought it was fine. Um Jalen Brunson's a really tough guy to cover. Um I, Obviously, Isaac Okoro is better at doing it, but I don't think Jetty did a bad job. Um, Something that people forget about Jetty just because he has that, like, boyish smile. People think that he's, like, people forget that he's 6'7". He's a large person, and he's somebody who, when he's on Brunson, he has much more length than Isaac Okoro. So he presents a different challenge. I don't, I'm not advocating for, hey, Jetty, like, go stop. You know jalen brunson for 40 minutes a night but he's somebody who i thought did a pretty good job of you know staying with him so i don't you know i saw some people getting mad about his defense on josh hart on that last three that uh heart hit but i thought he did a good job of recovering and forcing Hart to take a step back three yeah, which you,
0: you, you gotta know, live with that i mean right
1: like that's you know that's something that that's a win for the defense so I thought Jetty played okay. I think one of the areas that I think they kind of need Jetty to do a better job at, if he's going to be playing, you know, minutes with the starters at the end of the game, is he needs to do a better job of being available on the uh, defensive glass. Jetty's somebody who likes to leak out, which
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think is fine in a lot of instances, but, you know, here is not a situation that you do want to do that. Another thing is, um, on one of those late rebounds, I forget exactly which one, but, you know, Evan Mobley recovers to make a late contest on a Jalen Brunson shot. Jetty was screened and he's coming over to make a late contest as well, but he's kind of like a wild contest where, you know, he jumps and he kind of takes himself out of the play to get a um, rebound. So I think you kind of want in that situation, you would rather have Jetty a little more in control or a little more aware that, you know, once the shot goes up, the game's not, you know, the game doesn't stop. So that's a, that's an area that I think Jetty can improve on, but he's certainly not the only person on this team needs to improve in that area as we, you know, detailed. So I, it's surprising that JB went to Jetty to close the game, but it's also like surprising that Jetty only played three minutes in the first half considering Mm -hmm once you saw how this game was going it's like man those you know the first couple possessions with dean wade out there you were like this is certainly not what this <laughs> team needs and it's not really like like i i kind of feel bad you know ragging on dean wade like we like it like you can do but it's just simply that he's he's not a complete offensive player and i think you know, we've seen him play above his skill level at times, which is encouraging, but that's not who he is every single night. Um, And I think he's somebody who's a lot, he's a lot better. You know, if you put him with the starters and you put him as, you know, in that Isaac Okoro position, I think he's a little bit, he's somebody who you can live with a lot better because defenses aren't going to completely ignore him the same exact way. And he's somebody who, yeah, I'm, more comfortable with him shooting a corner three but really when you have him at the four it it just changes that whole dynamic and defenses you know a four leaving a guy is a lot bigger deal than a two or a three leaving someone and that's why it just bogs everything down and it's like yeah I would like Dean Wade to be a little more you know Quicker with the trigger, but he's also like a 35% three point shooter. He's not like a good shooter. Just, you know, so I don't, you know, it's just if you're going to have Dean Wade minutes, he needs to be like a monster on the glass. And he really, you know, he really wasn't at this point. I, you know, it was, I forget which pod it was on, but one of the pods we were on, it was like, oh, yeah, Dean Wade has to play. And it's like, well, why is he necessarily playing over Lamar Stevens? I think I don't think Lamar Stevens is like a great basketball player, but I think he's a, he has a much better feel of the game than Dean Wade does. You know, Lamar as somebody who kind of ran an offense in college, he's somebody who's more comfortable doing a lot more things with the ball in his hand. And he's somebody, you know, I think, I don't think he's a, you know, I don't think he's a great defender, but I think he's more—he's a more aware player, and I think that's kind of what the Cavs need right now.
0: I think part of the reason why I was surprised when Jetty got in and closed the game is because JB and the Cavs really have put a lot of faith in hypothetical Dean Wade all season. They have really, really tried to make that work and make it happen, and same thing with Ricky Rubio. It's part of the reason why when we were previewing this series I said that I think Ricky Rubio and Dean Wade will probably get their first chance off the bench, like over Jetty and Lamar and Danny Green and all of them is because the Cavs are really, really hoping that these hypothetical things will happen. And I think JB pulled the trigger or, uh, you know, pulled them off the court very quickly and showed that uh, we can't keep banking on that in the playoffs. It's just the few minutes that they were on the court, potentially tank the entire game. And again, I, I also feel bad just ragging on them because Dean Wade made some good defensive rotations. Ricky Rubio has had a good NBA career. It's not like these guys, uh, you know, I'm not just sitting here trying to trash them, but they had uh, poor performances and it likely cost the Cavs uh, at least played a role in why they lost. Right. And so I was pleasantly surprised that JB went to Jetty as quickly as he did. Uh, I think Jetty, even putting him on Brunson at the end of the game was a a surprise. I didn't see that coming and I don't know if I want to see it again, but He did a good job. There were a lot of people who were angry about it. And I saw some people saying Brunson cooked. It turned Jetty into barbecue chicken. I'm like, did you guys watch the same game as me? Like, I think he shot three for eight. But regardless of the results, Jetty contested every shot. Besides, I think there was one play where he missed a switch with Donovan Mitchell. And Brunson got a very easy little uh, left-handed layup. Other than that, Jetty contested every shot very well. And there was one play. I forget who... I, it ended in a three, I think might've been the Josh Hart three, but Jetty defended like three different people. He was switching. He was scrambling. He, he played fantastic defense down the stretch and sometimes effort can be all that matters on defense at times, not all the time. That saying sometimes gets overblown that defense is 90% hustle, but it, it really was the difference maker there. And I think part of that is because the Knicks are such an ISO heavy team that as long as Jetty just gets a contest on someone, like Allen and Mobley are gonna help him if the Knicks are going ISO. He knows that, so he just has to stay up on the jump shot. And I think he did a great job with that against Brunson all night. Uh,
1: yeah, I. How, go ahead. I definitely like agree with you there. I think one of the things that we, as like a basketball watching community, kind of overemphasize is like man, individual man defense. There's so many times where like this isn't like the mid two thousands where it was like the guy who guards Kobe, like Kobe's, you know, just ISO wing every play. And it's like that Mm -hmm. guy, he's going to be the guy guarding Kobe and nobody's going to do anything about it. Like, that's just not how basketball's played right now. You know, the guy who you start guarding in a possession is likely not the one who you're going to be guarding by the end of the possession just based on how many screens, how many actions teams run. And if you look at the fourth quarter, Brunson was four for nine from the field. Like that's, you know, that's something that you would live with. That's kind of what Brunson does. Brunson's a good scorer. Like if Isaac Okoro's out there, maybe like things are different. If Isaac Okoro's out there, but it's not like, Oh, Isaac's out there. He's, he's like one for nine. Now that's just not how basketball's played. Jetty wasn't the guy defending Brunson on every one of those shots, just because he was screened team switch. So, you know, I think Jetty did a good job of, you know, when he was on Brunson in isolation, he'd never, you know, Brunson didn't take any shots in the restricted area in the fourth quarter. They were uh, seven of them were from the mid range or, or the short mid range, which is kind of that's, you know, Brunson's a good shooter in those areas, but that's something that you're going to have to live with. So I think Jetty did perfectly fine. Like the defense is more than one person and, A center and power forward bigs as good defensively as Allen and Mobley can cover up for a lot of issues. And the Cavs were, I think the Cavs were mostly fine. It's like if they get some offensive rebounds in that fourth quarter, they win this game. You know, the Knicks scored a bunch in the fourth, but a lot of that was the second chance points, the seven offensive rebounds. Jetty can do a better job hitting the offensive glass on hitting the the, um, defensive glass, but so can, you know, so can Donovan and so can Darius.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And uh, as you said, the defense is more than just one person. And that's why it's something that I've been saying all season is this was the best defensive team in the NBA. They can afford to kind of ease up there a little bit and put Jetty into a lineup or even, you know, Kevin Love yeah, could have been useful at some point in the series. <laughs> because I mean, listen, even if we won't, we won't go into that whole Kevin Love thing, but the point that I'm making here is that even if Jetty isn't a great defender, There are moments in a playoff series where you can afford to put him out there for a few minutes if it means opening things up offensively. At the end of the day, as long as he puts in effort and doesn't just completely let someone blow past him on defense, you have the personnel to make up for that. You are the best defensive team in the NBA. You have Mobley and Allen, and it's something that you can live with if it means improving your offense, which is what Jetty brought to the table. And what brings me to what I mostly want to wrap up with here is just kind of a wild card. Uh, I saw a lot of people very frustrated with JB over this. Uh, Jackson, do you think Danny Green should have played in this game? Um,
1: so I don't think Danny Green should have played over Jetty, but I would would have rather seen Danny Green than Ricky Rubio. It's it is very sports radio-y to be like, why isn't the backup quarterback in the game? You know, we haven't seen Danny Green in this series, so we don't know what he is but it's just so apparently clear what the Cavs need. The Cavs don't need more ball handling. They don't need more smaller guards out there. They have enough because the Knicks trap them and the Knicks have enough length to make that very difficult. So even if you were a Ricky Rubio believer, this isn't a Ricky Rubio series. I think, you know, Terrence Lvert was very bad in this game, but I would rather have, you know, I'd rather rotate the guards with let's just have two of Garland Mitchell or lavert out there live with that. And then with the bigs, I'd probably choose Lamar, but if you wanted to choose Dean Wade, I think that's okay. Maybe. Um, and then just kind of <laughs> shuffling in Jetty and Danny Green in there as well. You could really going small with Jetty is really tough. I think that's, the Cavs ran into some issues with trying to put Jetty at the four. We saw that some. Um, he's just, you know, he's just not a big enough body to really, you know, clean up the glass like you'd want him to, or not that you want him to, but that you'd want a four to, especially mm-hmm. in the series. So I think you're. That's kind of you're kind of tough. It's kind of tough to do that, but, you know. I really think there's room for Danny green in this rotation. He's somebody who can shoot. He's somebody who provides length. I don't know if you're closing with Danny green, but you got to It's so obvious what this team needs and Danny green can't provide that. That's why it's so frustrating that Danny green only played 17 minutes with any one of the, you know, five starters, you know, he's been on this team since February. I know that getting COVID through it's through a wrench into things, mm-hmm. but you got to give Danny Green, you had to give Danny Green like five minutes a game. That first game against the Sixers where he played at like five to seven minutes, he wasn't great, but he didn't, he, he didn't tank the game Mm -hmm. and it's a regular season game. The Cavs were, it became pretty, became pretty obvious fairly quickly into, you know, March that the Cavs weren't going to be the third seed. If the Cavs could real could actually be the third seed, you had to, you know, push for that as much as you could, but once that wasn't clear, you, you know, even so, you had to be giving Danny Green minutes, and that's why it's like it's tough for me to see what Danny Green's role is because Danny Green and Darius Garland have only played basketball together at Cleveland Clinic Courts. They haven't played basketball together at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, and that's where mm-hmm. you, that's where the series is going to be played. So, <laughs> you know, that's it. It's tough. And it's the same thing with Jetty. Jetty only played 40 minutes with the core four Mm. together this season. It's like, that's where it's from. That's crazy. So he played 12 minutes. He played 11 minutes the other night. It's like, that's like a quarter of the time all season. So Mm. that's where, if you're going to get like, I'm not as much frustrated with JB's rotations in this one particular game. I think he did a good job of opting out of it. Um, I'm frustrated that, hey, we don't really know what Danny Green and Donovan Mitchell look like because they've never played meaningful basketball together. It's the same thing with Jetty to a certain degree. And that's where I'm frustrated. But, you know, you got to, you know, Karis LeVert needs to play better. But Karis LeVert, mm. you need him. You You don't need, you know, you don't need Ricky Rubio. And you could maybe maybe be fine without Dean Wade. Because if you have Jetty and and, um, Danny Green out there, you have a lot more length. That's one of the biggest problems that the Cavs have is when you have Mitchell and Garland out there, you don't have much length. But if you throw Danny Green in there and you crash with both of them, maybe does that, can you survive? You're not going to thrive, but can you survive on the glass, you know, and keep the offense going? Because that's the whole biggest thing. Like that was the biggest thing. When Ricky Rubio was out there, the offense was just standing still, basically. Nobody could make the defense move, and Danny Green and Jetty, they can do that still.
0: Mm, I agree. I would actually say that maybe the most frustrating thing or, or one of the biggest mistakes that the Cavs made this season was not giving Danny Green and Jetty Osmond the opportunity to play with the starters in the core four. I think they really banked so heavily on Dean Wade and Ricky Rubio, and it just hasn't worked out. Up to this point, and I, you know, I wonder what Danny Green looks like. I think I still view him as an emergency option in this series. He's not, he's someone who's going to be on the back end of the rotation no matter what, pretty much. I mean, I've seen some people say he should be in the starting lineup. I don't think Danny Green's capable of playing starting minutes right now, but as an emergency option in spot minutes, I would be surprised if he doesn't get an opportunity at some point just because uh, the Cavs need three point shooting. And he's a guy who can still shoot the ball and he can make the defense move. And so I'm expecting him to get an opportunity at some point, but in terms of being like a mainstay in the rotation, I I think he'll be a spot minute type of guy.
1: One thing that I will say is the Cavs aren't in an emergency situation, but the bench is, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Like the cat, like, as, as I said, the Cavs were a plus 15 when the core four was out there in 31 minutes. That's, close to dominating, you know? So it's just the bench is just so bad. And they don't, the biggest problem that I've had with the bench all season is they're bad, but they don't fit. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing where it's Danny Green is likely going to be not great, but he fits. And that's the same thing with Jetty. Jetty fits. So it's like, give me something that fits over something that doesn't. So that's where I'm like, this bench is in, it's just in such a bad place. They need to survive those minutes. The offense can't survive with, you know, Ricky Rubio and Karis Levert kind of trying to do their thing. You know, if you have, so let's say we have a lineup of, you know, it's usually, what is it? It's usually Darius and um, Evan play together, or or am I getting it wrong?
0: I think so. I think you're okay, right. Okay,
1: so like if you have a lineup of Evan, Jetty, Danny Green, Karis Levert and Garland, that's a lineup that the defense is going to be moving throughout the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to be loading up and standing still. You take you take Dean Wade and you put Ricky Rubio in there. There's not guys out there who are making the defense move. So
0: a lot of guys standing around.
1: Right. And that's and that's really what we saw. And it's like, well, the defensive end is going to be a lot trickier, but it's like, is Ricky Rubio providing a whole lot on that end is, you know, Dean Wade is a clear upgrade, especially at the four. So you can't deny that, but it's like offense and defense aren't devoid of each other. You know, if you're not scoring the ball, the other team's running out. So it just makes things much harder. If the Cavs, if that lineup's able to put the ball in the basket at a somewhat reasonable rate, the defense is going to be, better just because, you know, they're not always trying to run back in transition.
0: <clears throat> Getting something to fit is the biggest issue that they have on the bench right now because really they just need the bench to almost not even just stay above water, just don't get absolutely pummeled and the core four can do enough to keep you in the game. As we saw, they just got pummeled and the core four nearly managed to make this a victory. Uh And if the, the bench. Can- four- didn't even play good. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Like, and they, and come, they didn't. We yeah, spent had bad a, a bad game. Garland had a bad game. Right. Allen wasn't very present on offense. Like, and they still almost pulled out a victory. And that's why I right. feel still encouraged moving forward in the series. I know, listen, losing game one is not ideal, of course, but it. so much of it came down to just very poor performances outside of the core four. And the core four didn't play up to their best either. Uh, You know, (laughs) it's kind of funny. We just basically glossed over how bad Karis Levert was in this game because I think we just agree that that was just a bad Karis game, and he's gonna do that every once in a while. Like he'll have good games, hopefully, throughout the series, but we just are kind of like, yeah, Karis was bad. It's gonna happen. Like it was, he didn't do anything out of character. It It was basically just a normal bad Karis Levert game, which
1: is why. I never really liked the (laughs) Lasurgens because it's (laughs) like we know who he is. (laughs) We know who he is. It's it's one of those things where like it's also really tough because Karis playing with a lineup that poorly fitting offensively makes Karis Levert fall into his worst tendencies Mm -hmm. because if you're trapping, if you're not allowed, if you're not allowing the bigs to get downhill. What does that mean? Well, that means Karis Levert's gonna just dribble a bunch and take shots. Karis Levert's at his Mm -hmm. best when he's able to spot up. You can't spot up when nobody's making the defense move. So it's like it was a very bad Karis Levert game. But if you put Karis Levert in a situation where they're playing like actual basketball, you know, Karis Levert's gonna (laughs) not be able. Like Karis Levert's not gonna be. Giving into his worst tendencies, he's going to be able to do what he does best. So that's yeah. where it's like it's all connected. That's that's the whole thing. Like basketball, nobody's playing on an island, they're all playing together. And if you have guys who fit better, Karis Levert doesn't look like a scrub, <laughs> and he looked like one on Saturday.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, first couple minutes of Levert being on the floor, he took a step back three. And then he went right into like a pull up mid range. And I was like, "Oh, we <laughs> we might be in trouble tonight for Karris right. LeVert. But uh, just to wrap it up here, I think we're mostly on the same page here with what we want the rotation to be. I would say LeVert is the sixth man. I think Rubio, maybe he'll get on the floor again, but I think he should probably be out of the rotation. <laughs> I think you roll with Jetty. So LeVert and Jetty are the two people who I'm rolling with. And then I would give occasional minutes to Wade I would give Stevens a chance and I would give Danny Green a chance at some point, just depending on how things are going. Because I do think we, we don't, we're already over an hour. So I don't want to dive into the Stevens conversation again, but he's someone who can make an impact on the glass. And if that's what you need on a certain night, I think you give Lamar Stevens a chance. I think Wade I don't think they're going to give up on him at this point. Maybe they will, though. Maybe he'll be completely out of the rotation and Stevens will replace him. I, You know what? I don't even think JB knows who he's rolling with either, to give him some credit. I think JB is just throwing stuff and trying to credit? find something that will stick. <laughs> well, credit in the sense that, like, he, look at what he's working with, right? He's like, I'm just trying to figure out something that will keep me above water on any given night. And even in game one, like, they went to Rubio, Wade. And then uh, Jetty, it's like if you are gonna throw Danny Green into there or Stevens into there, like you are going pretty deep into your rotation in Game One. Like at, at some point, you just gotta ride with the guys who are out there. And they they gave Jetty a, an extended run in the second half, and it paid off. If they would have pulled him to try and get Stevens in there, like you can't mix a match too much in the playoffs. That's something that you do later on in the series. So we're, we're, I think we're on the same page with Lavert for sure. I, we want to see Jetty out there. The other guys, it's gonna be plug and play. I think.
1: Yeah. um, I think that if there was ever like a series for Stevens, like this is like the, this is like the junkyard dog series. (laughs) Like nobody's making shots. Like the Knicks are shooting threes because they know that they can rebound them better and reset the shot clock. It's like, (laughs) this is a Lamar, like Lamar Stevens was born for a series like this. So it's like, yeah, is Stevens great. No, uh, but I think, I think his play. Like, I feel like if you just threw Stevens in that first half and given him Wade's minutes, mm-hmm. yeah, like I don't think the Cavs are I'm winning those you. minutes. But it's like I think you get a lot different outcome with somebody who's just like a chaos agent out there. And that's like mm. that's Jetty. Jetty's a chaos agent. It's like, you know, <laughs> the, you need you need guys who like
0: that's what the playoffs are.
1: Well, it's so, well, it's so weird. Cause it's like the Russell Westbrook experience. We saw that the other exactly. night, the three for 19 game or whatever it was. It's like, first off, Jetty and Lamar are not Russell Westbrook. But <laughs> one yeah. of the things that like Russell, Russell Westbrook does when, when he's playing his best, he makes stuff happen. When he's playing his worst, he's taking shots, but making nothing happen. So, it's a lot different experience with wade and lamar and jetty but like you need guys who can make stuff happen out there on the floor sometimes especially when especially when you don't have all of your main guys out there you need somebody who can do something and lamar is somebody who does something you mm-hmm. don't always like what it is but he's going to do something so whereas like dean wade is like somebody who
0: it's very has, just out there he has just no there
1: his usage is so low it's very tough to have that low of a usage so you need somebody <laughs> who's just doing something and when when the whole game plan is ignoring your guys you need somebody who's willing to do something so they can't be ignored you can't ignore lamar stevens you can let lamar stevens do stuff but you can't ignore him it's the mm. same with jetty you can't ignore jet i mean you can you can let him do stuff but he's you know he's going to <laughs> make you remember him
0: yeah <laughs> one way or another yeah. uh Jetty is gonna make his name known uh but that's the difference right there it's like Stevens and Jetty they're not gonna hesitate they're going to make something happen whether it's good or bad something is going to happen when they get the ball and when they attack uh whereas Dean Wade and even this version of Rubio has just kind of been out there they're just kind of going through the motions uh and it's just not what you need in playoff basketball. Russell Westbrook going three for 19 and making all the right winning plays. Like sometimes efficiency and the results aren't really the, the stat sheet isn't what matters. Jetty can come out and shoot two for seven and, and make a huge impact for all we know. Steven, same thing. It's like in playoff basketball, all that stuff sometimes goes out the window and you just need guys who are going to create chaos and get the defense to move and to have some sort of impact. Cause right now, the Cavs bench is not good enough to not do anything that, you know, like it's not good enough for Dean Wade to be out there mostly just going through the motions. Unless Levert is having a great game. They can't rely on that. The bench needs to be active one way or another.
1: Right. And it's, I keep going back to that Celtics game where Lamar Stevens got a bunch of rebounds. Um, Mm. It's just like in this game, Josh Hart was not ignored to the level that, you know, Lamar Stevens is, would likely be ignored, but Lamar is somebody who can, you know, attack the glass and create an extra possession. Like that matters in a game like that, especially when the offense is struggling, which if Lamar's out there, the offense is likely going to be struggling. So it's like, he can do that. Like Dean Wade's not doing that. That's, that's what, Mm -hmm. that's what this team needs. This team needs guys doing stuff and he does stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think uh, we're on the same page here. Uh, Sorry if anyone's a huge Dean Wade fan and we just spent an hour <laughs> trashing him. Listen, I'm a, I've been a Dean Wade fan all season. I still, I still like hypothetical Dean Wade, but yeah. it's just a rough it, game one.
1: It's been, it's been a super rough season for him because he looked really good injuries. in the beginning of the season. Yeah, And then I like, it wasn't his doing, but the whole Kevin Love thing happened because Dean Wade had like three Harsley. good games. Yeah, so but, mm-hmm. it's like. It's not his fault, but it's also something that has to, like, be in the back of your mind, too.
0: The Cavs put a lot of faith in him. Right.
1: And it's, you know, maybe they put a little too much faith in him, at least at this point in his career. So it's not, like, it's not burying Dean Wade. Like, I think he's Hmm. a really useful player. I've written for Dean Wade especially. I think he's a lot, like, I really don't like Lamar as a three. I think he's really bad as a three just because you can't make those chaos things happen when you're a three. Mm. Whereas like Dean Wade kind of being more invisible, taking and making shots, being, you know, a ball mover is really helpful at at the three with the starting lineup. So it's like, there's a time and place for Dean Wade. This is just neither the time nor the place.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess everyone will have to tune in to Lamar Stevens winning the junkyard dog chain in game two. Uh, hopefully Cavs win game two. About as close to a must-win as you can get in the playoffs. Just you can't you can't drop the first two games at home. So, mm-hmm. gonna be a very big game. Very nervous. Uh, but everyone, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Drop a like, all that good stuff. Jackson, thank you as always, and go Cavs.
1: I agree, Cavs in five.
0: Cavs in five.